Welcome back to the 1497 Podcast, baby. You know the vibes. It's your boy, Jonathan Keaton in the cut, the greatest co-host to ever touch foot on planet Earth, a.k.a. Michael Wood. Couldn't be here today, but I'm with my boy, the man, the myth, the tall, 6'10", 6'11", legend, Matthew. Matt, how do you pronounce your last name again? Because I forgot how to pronounce your name or last name, and I don't want to mess it up. Uh, it's pronounced Attili. Matthew Attili. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. It's Sunday, Matt. How you feeling? I'm cool. It's a little nice off day. Yeah. Ah, yeah, I feel you. My, that's how Sundays, usually Sundays are for me, where I'm just cooling, watching TV, preparing myself for the week ahead of me, and honestly, just just living life, just doing doing what I have to do. So, what? Excuse me. So, what high school do you go to right now? Uh, currently, I go to Kenwood Academy. It's gonna be my junior year over there. Okay, okay. So, how was your sophomore year of hooping? Like, what did you? There, tell me, tell me how your sophomore year at Kenwood Academy went as to playing basketball. Well, technically, I didn't play for Kenwood Academy. Mm-hmm. I didn't play for anybody at all. During the, during my sophomore year, I was kind of hurt, so I didn't I didn't make the team there. But, yeah. But I actually did uh, – I was one of the managers for the Kenwood uh, sophomore team, the JV team. So, okay. So how did you – like, how did that injury – because I know when I was talking with you – Outside of this, you're telling me that you played a little travel basketball here and there. So did that injury come from travel basketball, or how did that injury occur? Really, the injury came from just playing pickup with, like, out, outdoors. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. I, I took a hard hit to the knee, and, yeah, that's where it really came from. So dumb, dumb hits to the knees – be the worst too because sometimes you think they're stingers and they creep up on you just like a sprained ankle and then when that pain hits it just stays there and it hurts so damn bad like especially because did you did you collide was it like a non-contact injury or did someone's knee collide into your knee yeah someone's knee collided into my knee so he was going up I remember it exactly. He was going up for a lay, and I jumped into him with some contact, and then our knees collided. Oh, ouch, ouch. Mm-mm-mm. I, I can, like, because when it, when it comes to injuries, I always get, like, that tick, because I always hate, like, just, like, imagining injuries, because, like, injuries are the worst. It, it happens, but, like, it, it's literally the worst because of how – those injuries occur and then the pain afterwards and how long you have to go to or get the rehab on it, depending on the severity of the injury. So I'm guessing, did you have to go to rehab for anything for your knee or was it just like a quick little stinger that didn't really keep you out for that long? Well, it kept me out for, I'll say about like two to three months, but I kind of did my own rehab because like, Nowadays, like, there's a lot of technology you can use to just, like, rehab yourself. 
So I did a lot of stretches, a lot of things to like get my knee back to normal. Nah, yeah, I feel that. You're in a society. Well, I mean, I'm in a society too, but I mean, you're in like a generation where you're so gifted technology-wise that it helps you out in every single area. Like you can literally just go to YouTube and be like best rehab material for your knee or best rehab procedure for your knee. And it really helps you out in that sense because you're saving so much money by getting the same procedures as other people would do. The only difference is you're not getting like those out, we'll say top tier people that really does those. But like I was watching a video, it's crazy how you mentioned that. Cause I was watching a video of this guy that played overseas. I don't, I forgot his name, but he said he tore his like meniscus or ACL twice. And he had to do like his own rehab because it was kind of like in the midst of COVID, COVID nineteen. So he had to yeah. do like, rehab, and he has to he had to go through the whole process. And it's kind of cool, like, cause did you learn anything about like your knee? Like, did you learn different functions that you didn't know about your knee when yeah. you were rehab? I actually learned about many different muscles that surround your knee, like like a whole bunch of stuff. Like I learned about my meniscus, my tibialis that I didn't know. I, d I never knew about the tibialis. It's like uh, now I have now I've, during that uh that process I've strengthened my tibialis a lot. So yeah. While also rehabbing my knee, I also strengthened my tibialis. That's what's up. That's what's up. Because it's all, everything is all about the learning process. So as long as you're learning and actually, or like you're diving into it more and more and more, that's really cool. So like you're a junior now, so you're getting closer to that time of, okay, I want to hoop in college. I don't want to pick my major. Is there something in the future that pos that is possibly pointing towards physical therapy or anywhere in that field? And if not, what's like your major that you're kind of guiding towards right now? Uh, I've thought about uh, what's name that type of stuff. And really, my was like my dad's an engineer, so like I was trying to take after him. But really, with technology and a whole bunch of type of stuff, one of my my majors that I would want to do in college would be electrical engineering. So, yeah. I like it. I like it. Taking after your pops. There's nothing wrong with that. Taking after your pops. So, besides, like, your dad being a big part of the engineering field and you going into the engineering field, what other attractions have engineering brought to your attention to be like, yeah, I want to do this when I retire playing the game of basketball? Well, really, it's all been like the whole, all the different types of things you get to do while engineering. Like there's a whole bunch of things that you get to do, like, especially with electronical. I mean, um, uh, yeah, electronical engineering, you get to do a whole bunch of stuff, like not just working and like, like, like fixing circuit breakers or type stuff. 
you actually get to like also my cousin who went into electrical engineer, he now works at Snapchat. So like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of careers and things you can do by just taking that major. And like that's that's what made me like say like I want to do this like after I retire from playing basketball. Yeah, it sounds like it's a Swiss Army knife of majors, and you kind of bank on those as you're going into college and whatever you do, because there's so many different alleys that you can go down that you can make so much money, especially engineering. Engineers make so money because they're the people behind of all the mechanics of how to work this, how to work that, so on and so forth. So when I saw you, I was like, wow, you you are a tall man to just going into junior year. So did your dad and mom play basketball? And then on top of that, they, your dad and mom got to be at least 6'3", six, 6'5", six, taller than that. Because you're like, what, 6'10"? No, actually, I'm 6'5", six, uh, I'm 6'6". Six, six, six. But it's oh. funny you mentioned that because both, actually, both of my parents are 5'5". Five, five. No way. No way. There, there, there's no way. Both of your parents are 5'5"? Five, five? Yeah. So where, it's so, crazy, kid. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. My bad. I got most of my height from my granddad, who was 6'9 after he before he passed. Yeah, that's where I got most of my height from. And my dad got his height from his mother, who was a little on the shorter side. Okay. Yeah, I was about to say it has to be deeper in that family tree for you to be six or six five and six six and or you're going on six six and your parents are not even at the six foot level. That is bizarre. And then for, yeah. for you to Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Cause I could have sworn in my head when I saw you, I was like, definitely like six nine, six ten. But for you to be six six that's insane. So, where have you hooped travel-wise, and how has those travel years built you to a better player each and every year? Well, this year is actually my first year of playing AAU ball. Mm-hmm. I previously played for A3 Athletics, but now, after the break of AAU, I'm starting to play with RTG. Mm-hmm. The main reason I switched from A3 was simply because I felt as if I wasn't necessarily getting better with that team. And also, one of my teammates, one of my closest teammates, he also left A3 to go play with RTG. So I said, why not? Let me go team up with him again, and then we can run this little dynamic duo thing like Rudy and Donovan. Mm, 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 mm. I like that. I like that duo. Even though Rudy and Donovan, they they broke up. The Jazz yeah. broke up. But you brought up you brought up your other your other man, your other duo. So is he also at Kenwood Academy or is he at a different high school? He he goes to perspectives. I think the one I'm not sure. I think it's on 87th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he goes to that school perspectives. So now I got to ask, have you and your duo, have y'all talked about possibly teaming up on a varsity team one day in high school? No, not necessarily. 
But I hope it does come down to that because that's my dog. Yeah, I I think I think you guys should definitely if you if you're bringing up the Rudy Gobert, I feel like Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell is giving me a little foresight or it's giving me a little vision where your duo, he's a really good slasher, he's a really good mid range shooter, he can play defense, and then with you, it sounds like you know how to rebound, you know how to play the paint at a spectacular level. I think that's I think that's an idea that you and your teammate need to talk about. Yep. So with travel, the rumor on the street really has been you get noticed faster in travel because you're going up against other travel teams, you're going up against third those travel teams sometimes are really popular travel teams or a well-known athlete knows or not knows is coaching or inside those travel teams industry uh, industries so my question to you is do you feel like your talents should have been noticed already and if they haven't what do you want those colleges to know about how you play as a player and how you can impact those teams as you, as as you as a player, if that makes sense? Well, to me, I believe everything goes at its own pace. Mm-hmm. So even though I haven't been noticed by any any colleges or anything like that, I'm pretty sure they will come soon enough. And uh, what was the other question? My other question was, with the travel AAU teams and how popular some teams are and all the talent that you go up against, do you get nervous when you go into, say, if you're playing, like, like you're, you're looking at the scouting report and you're going through it in practice and you're like, oh, snap, we got to play, like, the number two ranked player in the state on this travel team, do you ever get those nerves going through your body? Like, okay, like I got to play on my best games. Like how, how do you go through that mentally? So me personally, even if I do, if, even if I may look through the scatter reports, we're both, whoever I'm going against, we're both hoopers. We've all been through the same, same things, same, same, all the same uh, positions, even though, even if he is number two, number one, number three, or up there, like it doesn't matter. Like once we get on the court, we're both gonna we're, we're both gonna see each other. It doesn't matter if you're highly ranked, because you know I'm still there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel you. I feel you 100 percent. Because a lot of players they freeze up in those moments where. They're going up against, I'm going to just be naming names here. They go up against like a Cade Cunningham back in high school or a Ben Simmons back in high school or a John Wall back in high school because like they see the collection of highlights that they had presented up until that point. So you're like, whoa, like I'm going up against him. Like this is, this is something new for me. But I like the perspective that you're coming from because at the end of the day, you're going to see someone really, really good down the road. So, like, if it's now, then you just got to play up to the caliber of that person 
and play even better. And that's how I think they're going to notice you. And I also like what you said about just taking your time, taking your pace with everything that's going on as to when it comes to like recruiting and all of that and have COVID-19. I know you're on like the tail ends of like COVID-19 because it didn't really like really affect you in a sense of way. Cause like you started, you just started playing AAU and then basketball, mm-hmm. all that. But like mentally did COVID-19 or does COVID-19 now have any mental effect on you as it pertains to basketball no not really because the same thing that i was doing during the pandemic i'm doing now like even though i'm in gyms now and i'm not at home i'm still doing the same thing you know what i'm saying no like, yeah, I'm, oh, yeah I'm still training I, I'm, I'm still training my body i'm still stretching i'm still form shooting i'm doing everything that i was doing during COVID-19, I'm just, now that I'm doing it, I'm doing it in a gym. I feel that. I feel that. So what was like your daily, what was like your daily workouts from like, let's say a day in quarantine and now? Okay. So in quarantine, I usually got up maybe around like seven, eight ish. And then I started school at nine on virtual so like yeah i would do my school do all of that and then we had like a block schedule so i would have on some days i would have like a three hour break when i got on that break i did my stretches and then uh, sometimes i just get in the bed and start form shooting like working on my wrist working on my my arms form shooting just getting the shot right and then after I was done with that, I'll probably go back to class. And then after class, I'll just get up and walk outside and literally just start dribbling, like working on my handles. And that, that's important, too, with guys that are bigger now or that guys at your size and bigger than you. Obviously, you're still growing to know how to dribble because you see all the big men in the league now, like Jokic. Giannis, Joel, they can all bring it past half court. And the game before, not a lot of big men, not even any big man could really bring it past half court while dribbling the ball. So dribbling is such an an essential piece towards the game because everyone is everyone knows how to really excuse me, really dribble like that, dribble like a guard now. So it's really important that you're doing that. So speaking of your qualities and your abilities on the basketball court, what is the most important thing that you bring to a team on the court and off the court? Okay, on and off, I'll say my worth ethic. Because in, in reality... I may get tired, but I'm still going to give max effort. And off the court, I would say my ability to stay out of trouble because most hoopers, they have, like, I'm a very humble person, but I'm not saying other hoopers aren't humble. I'm just saying a lot of hoopers get that sense of mind, oh, I could do this, I could do that just because I'm a hooper. 
there's no nothing going nothing gonna happen to me because I'm a hooper. So like in that sense, they get in, they get in trouble most of the times because they don't know how to humble themselves and say, "Oh, I have this opportunity. Let me take this. Let me do that." And yeah, and on the court, like on the court. I'm not going to say that there's nobody that you're going to see do more than me because there's always going to be somebody that's going to try and one-up you. So you got to one-up them. So on the court, I would say my ability to listen and my ability to follow instructions and my ability to so you see now. Back then, like when I first started hoping, I was a very selfish player. But now I have the ability to see the court, give out dimes, even as big as I am, I still, when I get the board down all the way, outlet passes down the court, giving out dimes. And even when I do bring the ball up court after a board, like fast break, I see somebody running down my side, actually dish it out to the corner. That's an easy three. So my ability to see the court and my ability to get rebounds and block shots, even though I'm still working on the blocking shots part, I've gotten better from what I've seen in my past. Yeah, there's there's always there's always room to get better, even with the greats that are playing. There's always that wiggle room to get better and better and better each day. And a lot of players have a hard time to listen because they're like, "Well, damn, I'm I'm the coldest. I'm the coldest dude out here. Like, I'm not gonna like I know what to do. You know what I can do." So let me let me work out. Let me do my thing. And a lot of times or not. Yeah. A lot of times the coach and that player clash with one another because it's just two different personalities on the court. So it's kind of hard to coach that person that doesn't listen because they think so highly of themselves. And. Also, it paints a target on your back when you're not humble, because if you're out here thinking you're invincible, then those things start to creep back up on you in a matter of time. And then that's where everything just goes south. So I like how you stay with this humble mentality and you stay out of, out of trouble because a lot of people, when fame hits them, it's kind of like, you ever, do you, you drive or anything? You got, you got a car? No, not yet. Okay. So like, you know how you know how like you would be driving with someone at night and then like you would see lights coming on the other side of the street and it'd be so bright that it blinds you and you're like, wait, whoa, like like yeah. before? it's kinda it's basically like that. And what I'm saying is the players get those blinding light images where it's like, Oh, like um I'm, I'm flashing, I'm flashing, baby. Like, I'm, I'm him, I'm it. Yeah. The lights flash and goes past. After it goes past, it's like, damn, how did I end up here type shit? So. Yeah, I see. Nah, yeah. So, I gotta, I'm a big person that loves a story on how you got to where you are. So, tell me. Your origin story. How did you get to where you are today? So I'm going to start with when I first started hooping. I first started hooping. I started off later than others. 
I'm going to say maybe in fifth grade. In fifth grade, I really started hooping because I was getting up in size. In fifth grade, I think I was probably like five, six, five, five, around that size. And then I just started to keep on growing. So at first, I used to think I wasn't going to keep on growing because of how short my pants were. So I used to be working on my skills as a guard. But then I started I started growing and I growing and growing. And by eighth grade, I was like five, nine-ish. So then I started being placed in the big positions as a power forward and center. So I had to work on how good I, I could finish, how good I could finish around the room, how good I could get rebounds. Like back then, like I wasn't a good, I wasn't like a good big at all. Like saying how I've came like this far going in my junior year, I could say that I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty above average big. Like I can shoot the ball decently, I can dribble decently, I can finish around the rim. Almost, I'm a very good finisher. Now. Like that was one of the main things that I worked on, like since I've started hooping, like finishing. And I just now started working on my shooting like freshman year. Maybe like around the middle of freshman year, starting to my sophomore year, because I saw a lot of bigs. I saw a lot of big shooting. And I was like, I want to like at that point I was thinking about colleges. I was thinking, oh, if I can't shoot as a big, what type of college is gonna want a non-shooting big? So I started working on my shot. So then ever since then, I've just been working on all aspects of the game. And really, my pops has been there. My mom has been there for my my basketball, like everything. Because like my dad, he wasn't big. He wasn't big in size at all. My dad didn't even play basketball. My dad played soccer and my dad was a boxer. And my mom didn't really play sports like that coming up. And so, yeah, like, even though my parents have little to none knowledge about basketball, they still supported me in my journey. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And then with not a lot of people realize that playing other sports, it coexists in that sport that you're playing. Because I was about to ask, has your dad helped you out with your footwork because – playing soccer and playing box or fighting and boxing, your footwork has to be top tier, especially in boxing, because all you're doing is moving around and bopping and weaving any punches or anything. So have you and your dad worked on any footwork footwork and exercises? Yeah, most definitely. Like my dad, like okay, so my dad is pretty buff. So it's even hard for me to get through him, like standing a whole foot above him. So I would have to, for me to even get to the rim on him, I would have to be like, that's how I got so shifty. I'm not too shifty to the point where, like, I can't, like, stay on my feet. I'm a pretty shifty big. So if you catch me on the post, it's probably going to be a bucket. Like, I'm just saying. It's like the amount, the amount of leeway I get, like, with my post bag, yeah. Cause like me with my footwork and my ability to get under you, yeah. Even if you're bigger than me or smaller than me, I still maybe I'll be able to get through you and get to the bucket on the block. Mm, mm, mm. That's what I'm like. That's what I like to hear. It sounds like 
to me, if I was cooking up on my career player and it was you, man, you sound like a you sound like a post playmaker. You sound like a post playmaker. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mm, love a big man that can that knows how to dribble, that knows how to pass, that knows how to take advantage of his opportunities and not be selfish when it comes to his teammates. So you gotta be a big two K player. Every Buzz play 2K. So I got two questions for you, Mr. Matthew. The first question, if you had to make your own player off of your play style, what position and what would be the archetype of that position and why? I would say power forward Mm -hmm. because power forwards are still big, but they can get up the court quickly. Which what is what I can do, and archetype, I would probably have to say, either built, even though I'm not that big, like in like, like muscle and all that, all that type of stuff. I would have to say built because of I do have a little muscle, and I'm still like, I'm still like a little lean and built. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay, so then. My other question to you, well, it's three questions. My second question is, are would you be like a like a post playmaker or a pure a pure sharpshooter at forward? Like what what would you be? Like what what would you classify yourself as and why would you classify yourself as that? See, what, my build that I have on 2K now, that was what I'll say is my build in real life. I have a two-way stretch glass cleaner. He's Ooh. he has the ability to block shots, the ability to get boards, the ability to outlet passes up court. He has uh what's his name? Uh he has a very high pass accuracy, and he also has the ability to knock down shots when needed to. So like spot ups in the corner, like pulling up off the dribble. You know, even though I don't pull up off the dribble as much, like I I can still pull up off the dribble if I need to. Mm. Like coming off a screen. Mm, mm, mm. And a lot of people at your size can't even do a, half of the stuff you even said. So, like, you're going to keep on growing. And, man, once you get to – if you can get to seven foot and still do everything that you're describing that you can do, holy cow. I Man, I can't wait. I can't wait to, to see you ball out. In the big leagues, because you're doing a lot of things a lot of people are not doing. Now, my last question for 2K is, I know you probably saw the 2K trailer. You probably saw some glimpse of 2K gameplay. Are you liking how 2K23 is looking, or are you, are you disappointed? Really, I haven't seen any gameplay, but I have seen the covers. I thought they was gonna go with maybe uh maybe Ja or Tatum or even Jalen Brown or maybe even Curry. But Devin Booker is a good choice. It's just it's not what I expected. Yeah, I wish they would have went a route where they had three versions of the game, what they did with the Zion version. I wish yeah. they would MJ on one cover, 
LeBron on another cover, and then whoever they wanted on like the like the the basic one. I thought that would be pretty cool, but the 2K took a route on his own. So hopefully, there's a lot of changes being made towards it. So hopefully, it's good. Like this, this 2K wasn't bad, so I don't really have yeah. real complaints about this 2K, but. Hopefully, hopefully the next one lives up to that. They're putting it out on the 2K community and the TikTok world. So you mentioned yeah. earlier, and a lot of people like to compare themselves to other to other players as to their play style. So out of all the players in the NBA right now, whose game meshes up with your game the most and why? I would have to say Carl Anthony Towns. The reason I say that is because of his ability to knock down shots, his ability to get to the rim, his ability to, uh, what's the name, to get boards, his ability to just play make in general. Yeah, I would have to say Cat. Big Cat, big Cat, big Cat, and Cat. Can shoot the ball too. It was in the three point contest, and I think he shot at one point. He was shooting like, like thirty. I want to say thirty nine, thirty eight percent on like the border of thirty nine percent from three. And as yeah. a big fan, that is absolutely crazy. And it's just a lot of film breakdown to get to those points to see what you're doing wrong. And it leads me into one of my last questions is. Are you a big film guy, and what do you really look for when you're breaking down the film of your game or your opponent? All right, so when I break down my game in film, Mm -hmm. I look for things that I've made mistakes on. See, now I agree. So nowadays, like, since summer started, I have a job at the YMCA, for people, for uh, teenagers 15 and under. So I'm 15. I'm going into 16 in August. So the job starts at 9. So I get in the gym at 6. And then I work out from 6 to 8. I freshen up, get ready to go to work. And then after, when I get off at 2, then I go upstairs to the workout area. I get a workout in. And then I come back down to the gym at 5 and either run fives, play at 32, or something like that, just get a little gameplay in. But when I do watch film, I work on the things that I've messed up on. So maybe if I, if I wasn't there, if I missed the past, or if I missed an open person, like, I would see that, and now I work on that. So, like, like, maybe not the passes part, but, like, if I missed a shot, I would see what was wrong like with my form on how to correct that because I have a pretty decent form to the point where I could point out my mistakes when I watch film and like all types of stuff like on like, it's like if I'm watching film on like me and a defender, say if we're both struggling for a board, I'll say like how, like if I didn't get the board, what happened to those? If I didn't get the board, did I get tired? Was I not jumping high enough? Like stuff like that. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because, like, obviously that's where you're going to watch film for. But there's deeper parts of film that a lot of people don't really dive into. And you hit the you hit the hammer on the head. Or you hit the, yeah, you hit the hammer on the head. And a lot of people don't really go into, okay, how did I not get that rebound? They look at, oh, I didn't get the rebound. Like, tough, basically. So you keep on doing that because the little things is going to get you to where you want to get to. And that's playing Division One basketball, playing in the NBA, and so on and so forth. So if you're going in your junior year, one of the toughest years, if not the toughest year at high school, do you have colleges written down that you want to hoop at? And if so, drop that list. Come on. Not really, but one college that I do want to go to specifically is Illinois State because I want to stay close to my family. And I'm a big family guy. Like, if there's anything I could just, like, drive back to the city, there's no, I don't have to, like, book a whole flight just to come back and see my people. I got to just drive back to the city. I love it. I love it. Big, big family guy. You got to, got to keep them around. Got to support the fam because they got you to the point that they got you. And then another question, too, because a lot of, a lot of athletes are doing this, especially nowadays where they get those offers and they decide to go D2, D3, or JUCO and then transfer in. Have you thought about those routes before? And if the opportunity presented itself, would you go down those routes? Yeah. Even if I don't get a D1, a D2, or even a D3 offer, if I get the opportunity to go JUCO, and then later on get the opportunity to go D1, D2, D3. I'm going to take that opportunity. Even if I don't get the opportunity to go to a high-level school, like up there, like like I said, D1, D2, or even D3, like I'm always going to take the opportunity when it's given. Like even if, like, if I get, even if I get D1 offers, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to a D1 school, obviously, if I get a D1 offer, but if I don't, if the opportunity doesn't present itself, then I'm going to go with the next best option. I love it. I love it. Because the reason I asked that is because I forgot who, but there's like a guys that had Division I offers and then they rejected those and then they went down like the JUCO route and the Division II route. And like a lot of people don't really take those routes like those routes are honestly the best routes sometimes because you're grinding even harder than like on a division on a division one level so it's pretty it's pretty cool to know that if the opportunity presents itself you're going after and getting it and that's all about the personality that you have and it's a go get it personality and i have two more questions for you one being what are you looking forward to at Kenwood Academy education basketball the all-around experience at Kenwood Academy what are you looking forward to well if I do get the chance to play the varsity level at Kenwood Academy I'm most definitely going to take that opportunity and 
really, if I do get that chance, I'm going to look for the opportunity to play like play at a good level, a decent level of basketball before I graduate or before I go into my senior year. And also another big thing for me in Kenwood is uh, the next level. Like, how is Kenwood going to help me get to the next level of whatever I'm doing, even if I don't play basketball? Like, how is it going to get me to the next level? Like, is it going to help me get to, like, a, a good college? Like, where am I going to go? I love it. I love it. Got to focus on the education. You always got to focus on the decisions that you make and how it will get you to the next level, which is collegiate level, then the professional level, and so on and so forth. And the last question that I have for you is, what do you do you have any advice towards the youth that or to the youth crowd that thinks they're going to grow but don't know what to do if they are like the same situation that you're in where you feel like you're going to grow but like you're not in put you're not put in the position to play center power forward or you think you're going to not be as tall as you think you are, but like you want to play like at a small forward, power forward position. Do you have any advice towards people that's see when I was doing when I was going through this, like I really just played my role. Like even if even if I I did grow, like like even I even I mean even if I didn't grow, I would still be in a great position to play the power forward, the small forward because of how I use my size and how I how I use my size and how I like represented my gameplay. You know what I'm saying? Like so like for the advice for the youth is like like uh be a uh, go to a place where you fit in. You know what I'm saying? Like if you if you feel like you're gonna grow or if you feel like you're gonna grow and you don't necessarily get to the place where you like want it to be like go where you fit in. Like there may, there may not be like the opportunity you wanted, but if the opportunity presents itself, take it. Like if you get the opportunity to play, even a shooting guard position at wherever you go, like take that opportunity because you might not get that uh, opportunity again. See, like I always, even though I always dreamt of playing the power forward center position. I always train to be a smaller person, like a guard or even, yeah, like you said, the small forward, even though I always wanted to play the big positions because I felt I was going to grow. I always train different positions. You know what I'm saying? I feel that always take the opportunity if it presents itself. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Matthew Tilly, for cooling or for or for chopping it up excuse me i couldn't talk right there for chopping it up with me on this lovely sunday evening i know you got some shout outs so i'm gonna let you get out your shout outs get out your last words and i'm gonna close this out so so go ahead go ahead shout out to my teammate josh shout out to my mom shout out to my dad shout out to everybody that supported me through my high school Oh, not my high school, just my basketball journey in general. And we're going to see where it takes us off. You know what I'm saying? Because we're all on this journey forever. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to help you out with with Illinois State. I have to get the Illinois State recruit on here. Be like, yo, I got a, I got a homie at Kenwood Academy trying to play basketball. Can got you, get you some film. For sure, for sure. Oh, go hit him up. I'll, I'll try to work some strings. Now, I'm not, I'm not making any promises, but you got to keep on grinding. You got to keep on grinding, doing your thing. For sure, that's always my number one priority. But that's it for this lovely interview. As I just sit back and relax, and I just let the people talk and not listen. So, if you're new to the podcast, hit that subscribe button, hit that like, hit that comment, or drop a comment on YouTube. Subscribe to us on all podcasting platforms. Follow us at 1497sports on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Me and the greatest co-host to ever co-host a podcast, Michael Wood, will be back. As always, trust the process. And if the opportunity presents itself, what are we doing, Matthew? What are we doing? We taking it for sure. We taking it for sure, baby. Come on.